0: It's called Romans, and we're in chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. <clears throat> it can be found on page 1047 of those Bibles that are nearby. I also want to point out, uh, and want to ask you, if you would get out, if you have a worship guide, if you would get out the little uh, bookmark that's in there, because that bookmark is uh, is this scripture text. See if I, I thought I had one up here, but... There it is, yeah. And so the idea is, today as you listen, and we're going to read this uh, two times, as you listen, uh, be attentive to what's on here and what God is leading you to focus on today. What is God saying to you? Um, and if you don't, anybody put a hand up if you didn't get one uh, one of these? There are pens nearby in the Bibles, so make sure you've—you've. You've, um, oh, we got in the back um, and up here. Make sure you kind of you have it within your sights—a pen, you know, or a pencil. You might have to share. I know that can be hard. Learn how to share, but um, just just have a pen in sight so that when you feel led to circle something on here, you're ready to do that. The reason is, as you'll see, is this scripture passage has a list of a whole bunch of separate things. They're not all exactly related to one thing. There's just a whole bunch of behaviors um, that, are, that you're kind of being invited to take on. So what is God drawing your attention to today? Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 21. This is God's Word. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. But willing to associate with people of low position. Do not think you are superior. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends with good the word of the Lord I invite you to pray with me our God of grace as we consider these ancient words still so relevant today we come to them from different places different journeys we may assume that oh, everyone else has probably you know got their life cleaned up and seems to be so happy and singing the words to the song so joyfully but the truth is, Lord, we're all more of a mess than we want everyone else to know. We're all more in need of your grace every second than we than we even usually can tell ourselves. And, and this message, this story of Scripture keeps telling us over and over again, every week, every year, every season, telling us that even though we're broken, we are more loved and accepted in Christ than we ever imagined. So, God, whether we bring this morning emotions of celebration or emotions of devastation, whether we bring emotions of guilt or whether uh, feelings of being victorious, whether we come with anger or whether we come with peace, may it be your grace for broken people that grabs our heart and transforms us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Um, so the question of the week the question of the week last week was what's your tip for loving a jerk by the way the question of the week this week is what's your neighbor pet peeve which is confusing it basically means it's a quick way of saying what's the pet peeve of of a neighbor like okay that still wasn't clear (laughs) What's your pet peeve about someone that you've lived by? All right? What is your pet peeve? So, but this week, uh, or, or last week, what's your tip for loving a jerk? And a few answers, a few really interesting answers. God made them too. Maybe they're having a bad day, or maybe no one taught them or showed them how to love. Someone else says, what's my tip for loving a jerk? I don't know. I have a hard time loving a jerk other than myself. Someone else says, I try to remember that I'm a jerk too, but I am also not as big of a jerk as they are. (laughs) I like the honesty in that. I know some of you are like, oh, that terrible person, but you've felt that way. I know you have. (laughs) Remember that they are still God's creation, someone else says. And someone else also says, what's my tip for loving a jerk? Pray for God to help you and love that person and help you see them as he Does. It sounds like some people have been shaped, some people who some of you have been shaped by how the Bible leads us in this. Some of you have been wrestling with how to love a jerk, which is inherently something that the Bible ends up kind of nudging you towards. When I Googled, you know, how to love a jerk, all the first page of entries were related to Christians or churches. I thought that was, uh, that, that was encouraging to me. A lot of the world thinks of Christians or churches as being jerks, you know, a jerk factory. Churches, right? That's a, an impression that has some legitimate traction. I was encouraged to see that from within the Christian church, though, that there is a broad sense of, you know, this leads you to ask this question of how to love a jerk. Um, And even though some of you have some great answers and have wrestled with this, I'm guessing that it isn't necessarily, even though you might have the right path you, you think you need to go with those who make trouble for you in life, it's not any easier the fact that you know that path. Each time someone sets you off, each time you have a neighbor or a parent or a spouse or a sibling or a child or a co-worker or a neighbor who's working against you, sometimes intentionally, sometimes repetitively, you face it again. How do I do this? You may even know, you know, there's all kinds of emotions that come up. And I would ask you right now, what are some, just like a quick poll, what are some of the things you think or you feel or you do when someone's making life difficult for you? Just shout out something. Anger. Anger. Yeah. Defensiveness. Things you think or you feel or you do. Bitter. Bitter. Bitterness, irritation. Revenge. Revenge, revenge. Yes, revenge. And there's something kind of universal about that revenge impulse. Um, there, was a, there was a headline years back And it said one word in thick black letters right across the top of the front page, REVENGE. The story was of a classic tale of spurned love. A woman whose husband had cheated her and gone off with her best friend, had bided her time, waited for her opportunity. Okay, And this gets real, right? This is the stuff you read in the paper. And then killed them both. Not instantly, but in a way in which allowed them her to extract maximum satisfaction by giving them maximum terror. Now, you know, all of us resonate with, you know, that, what is it, sweet revenge? Is the word that people put sweet there with that word revenge? The story, that story doesn't sound very sweet. But I think part of it being front page with the big title is that it does tap into something deep, that impulse for revenge. Um, All of us have a sense of why that happens. Okay, all of us get why. But here's another question to pull us. If if we ask, you know, just the general public, what reasons exist of, not why, but why not, to do that, why not to carry out revenge? What kind of answers would come out for? Even though we all get the impulse, why not? Why not? Anybody? It doesn't solve anything. It makes things worse. Makes things worse. It's up to God. Up to God. Mm-hmm. Prison. Yeah. <laughs> In unison, they—if you didn't hear it—they said prison. Prison. Hmm. So there's some practical reasons, there's some spiritual reasons. As one, uh, one, one person, uh, holding a grudge, one person said, is like drinking poison and then watching for the other person to die. So, Romans 12, though, that we are just reading, all of the little teachings that were in there but especially as it comes to the end and it's more about how to deal with a jerk how to deal with an enemy how to deal with someone who's working against you all of this passage are under underlying it not even being said but implicit and absolutely central to how christians go about their life with everyone around them is the why and the why not and it goes really deep and it basically comes down to this why why do i do this and why do i not do this because of how God treated me. Well, so that's the underlying foundation of the teachings of Romans chapter 12. In fact, earlier in, the, earlier in Romans, it was already laid out. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, kind of looking for anyone's eyebrows to go up, because sometimes people memorize different scriptures. Maybe someone at some point in your journey has memorized Romans 5, verse 8. Has anybody memorized that and knows what that says? It's okay if no one has. Romans 5, verse 8. Well, I, I think I heard something. While we, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's Romans 5.8, which is... So, while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. That's the foundation of your behavior in life. And then this is how it's followed up, even a little starker. For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son... Do you catch the word that was used there? Enemies. You're God's enemies. You're God's enemies when He sends His Son... So what, So in summary, God loves jerks. Because you're a jerk. Didn't you, that's what you came to church to hear today. <laughs> wasn't, that, wasn't that soothing to hear me say that? You're a jerk. Remember, God loves jerks. Remember um, Jacob and Esau, if you know the Bible story. Jacob and Esau, Esau are twins. One of them is going to get God's blessing and, and become the father of God's people, the 12 tribes of Israel. Which One. Jacob, who's more of a jerk if you know those stories? Jacob. It's terrible. Deceitful? I mean, if you're hanging out with Jacob, hold on to your wallet if you're having dinner with him.. And God So and Esau just kind of seems there doesn't seem to be anything particularly that Esau has done. God's willing to enter into relationships with the scum of the earth, with those who have the deepest impulses for revenge and even those who might act out on it regularly. God loves jerks. So a Christian wakes up in the morning. The Christian has a chance to wake up every day in the morning and say, God loves jerks. Yes, another day living in God's love. And so the center of your consciousness as a Christian can become, I've been a jerk to God and God still loves loves me. Even though I've tried my darndest to make things difficult for God, He has seemed like persistent and tenacious in making sure His smile of approval will be an umbrella over my life, will be flowing into me, that I will always know it's true, even though I may still continue to work against Him. in a way here's something that some of us need to hear sometimes don't be above admitting that you're a jerk right don't be above admitting that you need you need God's grace you need mercy you don't deserve it the the fair, what Jesus had this teaching and he said i did not come to save the righteous but the unrighteous and he said it to religious leaders Who in hilarity, the the humor of it is that they thought he was saying, oh well then I mean they had the audacity to think, oh well then he didn't didn't come for us. (laughs) You know? The the that's no no guys, that's not the point. It's not that there's the actual point is there's only one kind of people. There's the unrighteous ones. And uh that mentor that um, is coming in October that I talked about is going to speak here. One of the things he often says in his sermons is um, the gospel goes like this. We're all full of crap. Religious crap stinks worse than regular crap. <laughs> in other words, if you say, oh, I'm righteous, and there's the unrighteous. Okay, that's, even, that's like almost in a, another category. And... Jesus came to clean up your crap. So so we're all jerks. And part of being a Christian is uh, letting that sink in, owning that. Not so that you can walk around feeling terrible about yourself. And not because God likes your jerkiness and wants more of it. Just because if you can admit that, you begin to begin into the sweet spot of God's love. Because if you don't think you're very jerky, then it doesn't mean much that God loves you and chose you and draws you into a relationship with Him. The only way in is to admit that and own it. And so then, consequently, when someone's really pissing you off, then this is what you do if you're living, waking up every morning saying, I'm a jerk. God loves jerks. Then when someone pisses you off that day, you say, that's what I do with God. And you just, like aha! Now I get to let his behavior flow through me. I, I've been made into a new person because of that. Because God loves jerks. Now I'm a jerk-loving person. I know how to do this because it's happened to me. Theoretically. I know some of you are going, I've been trying for years. Let me tell you, Mark. But it's hard. It is hard. We need God's help every day. And on the cross, Jesus said, what did He say? He looked out at the crowd of people who had put Him there and who were smiling and taunting, and He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. It's like pre-forgiveness. It's like before someone shows remorse while someone's still gloating. Before someone comes around and apologizes. If you've ever said, Well, I don't have to apologize, or I don't have to forgive, because they haven't apologized yet. They haven't, you know, haven't shown any remorse. They're not coming knocking on my door, to to own what they've done to me. So I'm not. I don't have to forgive. I'm free and clear. I don't have to forgive yet. I've got great news for you. You get to forgive. That you have been, and even in your own life, you have been pre-forgiven before you were, while you were still God's enemy. So. That you don't get that idea from the Bible. Some people have even said that that's a, a Bible thing. Like, well, if they don't repent, if they don't show remorse, I don't have to forgive. Well, I, I don't see that anywhere in here. And you're, besides, you're just drinking the poison if you're hanging on to it. And you're stopping your own experience of God's forgiveness. And so the Lord's Prayer says, Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So there's this interplay always between God's forgiveness and my forgiveness. It's it's going in both directions. It's flowing. And you can definitely kind of, with a hardened heart, and the the real hurt and woundedness of others hurting you, you can put a stop on the flow of that forgiveness. And you can just delay things, and there will be a buildup. Or you can let it go, and you can begin to pursue forgiveness. And, And by doing so, getting the flow going again of God's forgiveness in your own life. My focus has been on the end of that chapter that we read, the end of that section we read, the part that really zeroes in on how to love a jerk, how to love an enemy, how to not take revenge. But again, there is a lot in this card, so let me read it one more time. My encouragement is circle something on here, take this home, put it somewhere that it's in your life, it's on your fridge, it's in your uh, medicine cabinet, it's next to your bed, It's in your Bible. It's in the book you're reading. Take this with you. It's in the dashboard. You get the idea. And look at it this week and next week and maybe even longer at that part that you circled. Here's how it goes. Let's hear it one more time and then I'll pray. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Do not think you are superior. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. It is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. I invite you to join me in prayer. Our gracious God, as we hear these words, may they sink down into our lives. Every week here, we read from this book because we believe what it says, that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And we'll use these words to just sink down into those places in our lives. The passage says, Leave room for your wrath. And there's almost a joke to that or a, a humorous side to that because our wrath is poisoned with our own evil. And your wrath is, has been infiltrated with grace. You seem always to be bending your legitimate wrath and anger towards grace. And so even when we might hand off our anger to you and say, God, you be the judge, we might seem someday realize That your inclination was to let someone off with forgiveness and love and grace. Someone who we wouldn't have done that with. So we give you our anger this morning. We pray our anger to you. We lift up certain people, certain names and faces in our lives who are making life hard for us right now. And you know who they are. And we want to stop drinking the poison. We want to hand them to the gracious judge. And we want to try to find out the joy and peace of living in forgiveness. Help us do that now. And may this be a community with contagious forgiveness. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.